And welcome in to Boy Meets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Saddle. That over there is the other host of Boy Meets Podcast, Mr. Dustin Franklin. Dustin. Yeah. Finally, we're finally here. We're finally talking about one of our favorite shows of all time. Man, this Boy Meets World. (laughs) Hey, we're doing it. I feel like I could go, you know, I feel like we're sitting in a booth at Chubby's right now. Just, you know, having a grand old time. And... You know, not a care in the world. We didn't do our homework. We're living it up. This is what life's all about. Hey, man, they want you to take the role. Sorry, we'll save it for that episode. <laughs> okay, so the basic premise for this podcast is to review the entire series of Bummy's World. Every episode, all seven seasons. Um, I think we've made an executive decision here to kind of do season one in a couple episodes, kind of combine some of those. There's some filler, not going to lie. If you were in love with season one, I, I do apologize. But we are going to talk about them all, so don't worry. Uh, but the, seasons two through seven kind of warrant their own episodes apiece, so we're going to break it down that way. But uh, season one, we're going to try to sum up, because they're a little younger, and I think our target demo will probably a, will probably be a little bit older here. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like on season one, like with any show Really, to be honest, any any sitcom from this era, season one was a lot of them trying to find their footing, yep. find the direction that they wanted to take with a lot of the characters, because a lot of the characters go in opposite directions, uh, maybe not opposite, but different directions of where they are in the first four, five, six, seven, eight episodes. And so, uh, yeah, season one, I don't feel like it's necessary to spend a whole lot of time on. However, I don't want you to feel like we're going to skimp because we're, we're still going to go in depth on the things that need going in depth on. And we're going to have a good time doing it. Season one will get covered. It's just not as important, not as crucial to the main picture, to the big picture, as the rest of the seasons are. Right. And it's funny you bring that up because our the next thing that we were going to talk about was our memories of watching the show. Uh, if we grew up on it, if we caught the 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 uh, syndication version, which would be the Disney Channel, which ends up being the way that I caught it. Although I did catch the tail end of the ABC run. So I, there was a little bit of crossover for me there. But I'm sure that you watched the majority of it in its original run, if you want to talk about that. But just real quick, is, I am... Is that, a, is that an age joke right here? Are we getting that out the way age, early? It's an age joke, brother. You better just <laughs> accept it right now. That's You're fine. just a shallow boy. Oh, sorry. Anyway, um, so I will say this. I, it's not that I don't like season one. I am just partial to seasons five through seven because it was the time that they were kind of going. I looked, I wanted to watch older people do things, not people younger than me do things. I was at that age in my time, you know, in my life. So seasons five through seven kind of get it for me. Plus season six and seven has Rachel. So, you know, I, I feel you there. <laughs> and I feel like it, it's, it's, it's very appropriate that we're doing this because the age difference in you and I is very much so like the difference in, uh, I don't know, maybe, Eric and Corey. So, oh, uh, wow. yeah, you so, are not my it's brother. no coincidence that I'm the, the good looking older brother and you're the Brillo head younger brother. So um. I did have a Brillo head at one time. Now my and now it's just my beard. You can't see you can't see me because this is an audio medium. But just know it's very. Yeah, no, but yeah, you're right. I did watch more of this show in its original run than you did. I'm sure. And, you know, my thoughts were or my original memories of watching this show was. It was just something that was relatable. It was something that as you're in that middle school time frame in your life, that middle school, that weird, awkward puberty section of your life, and you're trying to transition into what 
you are as a human being, what you are as an adolescent. This show really hit home for a lot of people, not just myself. I remember going to school and talking about this show, which is weird because in the same token, you're talking, you have the same friends that are talking about the show Friends, which is obviously much more mature than yes. this, right? Yes. And so the reason that this show worked, the reason that this show was so successful and popular uh, with us in our demographic was it was very much so PG. But when you watch it back as an adult, you can appreciate the human or the, the adult subtle humor that they slid into the show and to the to the script. And it makes it even better on the rewatch. Right. And so but as, as, a, as a youngster, you're watching this show as it's happening as someone who could easily be slid into any number of characters from this show. And it just feels natural to you. That's my original uh, memories of this show is this could easily be me and my friends. Right. So. And and I think that's a good point you touch on, because no matter what season you really caught on with the show, there was a character that was relatable, whether that be a Matthews who has a, you know, a very loving family, uh, you know, that, that that's very welcoming, you know, a good set of parents that work really hard and all that stuff. You could be that. Um, you could be Sean Hunter, which comes, you know, his the development comes later. But everybody has, you know, everybody had a friend or maybe you are that friend that, that didn't quite grow up with a very picturesque, uh, you know, childhood. And that would be Sean Hunter, you know. So and if you're a, if you're a strong female character, then you look to Topanga Lawrence, who I think is was an early feminist role model for a lot of a lot of young girls. So there's a lot there with the characters that make them relatable. And I think the show is unique to me because it tells the perspective from a middle child. And a lot of those late 80s, early 90s sitcoms come from the older kids, the older brother, the older sister, and this, or or the youngest, you know, either either or. And this one, you get the middle child's perspective, which is Corey Matthews, that boy meets world, as they touch on in the very, very last episode. So um, I'm looking forward to this, man. I I watched I watched a lot a lot of reruns of this on the Disney Channel, which caught you know that was the syndicated version, but I mean they still aired everything. So I you know I I mean me and my sister watched this show religiously. Uh, and those are my memories of it. It's just I caught most of the final two seasons on the ABC run, but every other episode I ever saw was on the Disney Channel. So I've seen every episode a million times especially this pilot, which I watched twice in the last week, which is probably, I don't hate this pilot. I think as far as pilots go, it's pretty good. Um, but before we get into the pilot, and I'll get your opinion on you know what you thought, um, the original air date for this episode is September 24th, 1993. If that don't make you feel old, that's crazy, which by the way, I, was, uh, <laughs> I wasn't even two years old yet. Yes, I was. I take that, but wait, no, I wasn't. I was not two years old. I can't math. I quit this show. Um, yeah, so showrunners Michael Jacob and April Kelly were the showrunners for all seven seasons. Um, I, I believe Michael Jacob previously worked with Fred Savage on The Wonder Years, or either either him or, or April Kelly did, and that's what kind of led to Ben Savage getting the role. He guest starred on The Wonder Years as a tiny, tiny little kid, and so, you know, the Savages were just cute little kids, man, and they, they kind of clicked. And this show became the Untitled Ben Savage Project. That that's the way it was pitched. Got the uh, uh, got the green light, and Boy Meets World was born. And there was a lot different about this pilot and this cast before the actual show that you see on Disney Plus or wherever you're watching this show. Um, right. 
whether it be legal or illegal means. So, whoa, again, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're whoa, not condoning, whoa. though. We're just saying. No, we're not condoning, but we're saying, you know, people <laughs> find their way around the Internet. <clears throat> so, obviously, the show stars Ben Savage. And then you get kind of a core cast. It kind of takes us through all seven seasons. And I'm not going to mention the Bang of Lawrence just yet because she doesn't appear till episode three. Then she remains a constant character. Um, you get Ben Savage as Corey Matthews, Ryder Strong as Sean Hunter, which this was only this was only supposed to be his his one episode. Maybe was just this little episode, and they kept putting him in, and he stuck around for all seven seasons. That's pretty cool. Will Friedle as Eric, um, Eric Matthews, which is the oldest brother of Corey Matthews. And by the way, there was a different Eric cast, and they actually liked his portrayal, but the actor they cast was was almost the same height as Ben Savage. So they they wanted a taller guy. They called Will Friedle back. He got the role. He, he had it all seven seasons. William Daniels, which you might know from other things, but to my generation, he will always be Mr. Feeny. Feeny. <laughs> uh, by the way, we're going to Feeny call the hell out of this show. So if you hate that, you might as well just stop listening. Yeah, you're right. Um, um, and the parents are Betsy Randall and William Russ, and that's Amy and... Uh, why am I drawing a, Alan? Why Alan. am I drawing a blank on Alan? You know what? Okay. I just always think of him as the Matthew, Mr. Matthews. Mr. Matthew. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So you know, I'm not gonna say that I was two years old when this show aired. I was, however, five years old and 12 days ish. Nice. So um, when it debuted, it debuted following Family Matters and Step by Step. Solid lineup there, man. Nice. When you think back on 90s yeah, television, yeah, baby. are those three not like the best anyway? Step Maybe I'm being biased, step. but yeah, step by step was great. And then, man, I'm not gonna lie, Urkel was a hero in my household. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just just you know the things that stick out about the the show. When the New York Times wrote about the the fall lineup, uh, they wrote that the network was creating a, fi- a Friday night lineup that is explicitly aimed at younger viewers. In the description of this show, Boy Meets World, was about life seen through the eyes of an 11-year-old boy. And that's what I was talking about earlier, about the relatability, the uh, familiarity with life scenarios as you're watching this as it happens. Now, obviously, I'm five years old when this show debuts. I wasn't 11, but as I get a few years older and you know the, the reruns start to air or I catch up to where I can appreciate the show as right. it's happening, it really hits home because... I see that this kid's going through what I'm going to go through. So right. I think that that's, that's an apt comparison, apt analogy. Uh, before the pilot aired, the Baltimore Suns, David Zawarik, and I probably didn't say his name right. He wrote uh, he's that, not listening. <laughs> this show, he wrote that he was predicting Nielsen's success for Boy Meets World. So he, before even... Right. Knowing what the show, how the show would pan out, was predicting that it would be a network's rating star, and he cited the the network adding William Daniels as a reason for that. Who shout out to Fina? And uh, the last thing that I have before we get into some of our general thoughts on the episode or our overview of the episode was that the original title of the episode, which is called "Did You Know," it was originally called "Brothers Keeper," and I think that you know. That's an interesting fits. plot because yep. it fits. And, yep. uh, you know, l- like you said, I this show is one that we're going to have a lot of fun doing. And you couldn't have done it without the pilot. Right. Every right. every every right. 
great thing needs a starting point. So let's go. Exactly. And again, as as far as pilots go, I don't think it's a bad one. A lot of pilots aren't very good, especially sitcoms. And I, I, I think this one is fine. Uh, it's one of the better episodes of season one because there's a couple episodes in this season that don't do anything for me. And I, I guess it's just a critical eye, but I just like them as they get older. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why. But what I will say is that five years older, are you saying you didn't understand the emotional content of Boy Meets World? Oh. That's, a, <laughs> that's Corey Matthews' quote. I'll get to that. So, yeah, like you said, yeah. uh, Brothers Keeper would have been a really good title for this episode because that's kind of what we're getting here with the pilot you get uh cory and by you get right off the bat you get cory matthews interacting with mr feeney that's a really good opening scene i enjoyed their their banter back and forth um but the main you know plot of the episode here is cory feels abandoned his older brother is interested in girls his his sister wants to do tea parties his you know his parents are kind of on eric's side with all of this and he you know he takes the girl to the phillies game by the way shout out Go Phillies. I'm a Phillies fan. So that works for me. Uh, hey, As a Nationals saying. fan, I have to say poop on that. But okay. go ahead. All right. On. Well, hold on. Let's check the score of the game, buddy. Oh, anyway, they're playing as we record this set. That kind of works for me. Um, But, yeah, you know, Eric just has to take his date to the Phillies game instead. And uh, that didn't go so well for Eric as which, by the way, this is a very early Eric Matthews. As the seasons progress, it's almost like someone hit him in the head with a hammer. And uh, that's a theme you're going to see over the whole thing as we record this. My anger for how they dumbed down Eric Matthews. Funny, but my anger, just how stupid they ended up making him. But anyway, you you don't get that here. You get nice older brother, for the most part, Eric Matthews. And then, uh, and again, Corey feels abandoned, but he also has his run-in with Mr. Feeney. And I love that William Daniels chose to take the serious route with being a teacher, not the silly route. Like we seen a lot of other sitcoms with teachers that he wanted to respect the role of, of, of an educator. And he, I think he plays it. He plays it straight. He, he plays it so straight. It's funny. And so I think he does a good job going back and forth with the kids here. And Corey gets detention for listening to the ball game in his class. It's just detention. He doesn't want to learn about Romeo and Juliet. Did you he know. have AirPods? We're going to touch on it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Because I'm telling you, I think there's some time traveling going on here. But uh, he he actually learns a lesson from Mr. Feeney that love is very, very important. And he should have been paying attention the whole time. His family loves him. And, you know, that's kind of the essence of the episode is love is very important. And that, you know, your brother's keeper or brotherly love would have been a good one. So uh, that was also uh, a sitcom with the Lawrence brothers. But anyway, not the point. So. That's the first episode. Let's get into yep. it. Let's talk about it. Things you liked, things you might not have liked, Dustin. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned it there. I love how we immediately are introduced to two key characters with Mr. Feeney and Corey. And that's the first scene we get. And their banter just off the rip is perfect because we ought to already see what this relationship is going to be like for the duration of the sitcom. And I love that because too often times we get introduced to people too slowly in sitcoms. We get, mm-hmm. here's one character. Okay. Separate scene. Here's another character, right. separate scene. Here's another, but this one, we get two crucial characters in the immediate scene to starting the show. And the way that they just, you know, volley back and forth, Right. He's uh, Feeney saying, 
didn't your mother make you breakfast as Corey's getting something out of the snack machine? He goes, yeah, that's what this is for, to get the taste of cream and wheat out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, like, right. that banter right there. And then, you know, Feeney saying, that's not the, you know, or when he was criticizing his choice of snacks early that early in the morning. Right. And Corey's like, you're not exactly drinking the fuel of astronauts there as Feeney's <laughs> drinking his coffee. Beautiful. Beautiful banter. Oh, right the there. banter is great there. Absolutely. And then the very next scene, we don't have to waste any time getting to know the number two protagonist. We get to know Sean right off the jump. Sean's right there, and we already know that he's going to be a major player. Now, the thing that's kind of confusing about it, though, is that we get to know another quote-unquote <laughs> key player in Michael Squint's Paladoris, if you watch the movie The Sandlot. We get to know another friend there, and we think, okay, this is clearly going to be Corey's best friends, right? Well, as we get into the show, you'll see that Squints was never seen or heard from again. He must have moved to a different school district. And that's going to become something that we yeah. touch on, that revolving third friend. Chair of death, never, they called it. The chair, chair of death. It never really sticks, but, you know, it was prevalent here in this, in this first couple and scenes. And real quick, Dustin. Yes. Every kid, they would sit in that chair. <laughs> Ryder Strong, who plays Sean Hunter, and Ben yep. Savage, like, oh, no, don't sit there. <laughs> Every right. set there has been fired. Matter of fact, they shot. They And there was an episode. You know what? I'll save it for that episode. But it's a really <laughs> funny story about the end of the chair of death. It comes in about, I think, episode five is when they just they just say, you know what? The ping is the third friend. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I do love how they – I mean, when you watch this show, it is so 1990s, right? The wardrobe, the music, the school atmosphere, it's all so perfect. When you watch this show, even in 2020, when you watch this show, it doesn't feel like they were trying too hard to be the 90s. It doesn't feel like they were trying too hard to project a future. They were making this show right. as organically as possible to me. This Absolutely. feels like when I watch this show, I'm like – yeah, I remember that. I remember sixth grade. You know, it right. just feels natural in that regard. Um, and then, like you mentioned with Eric, the th when you said Eric's character is very different going forward than he is in this opener, that's what I meant earlier when I said they were kind of putting feelers out there. What direction mm -hmm. do we want to take all of these characters? We're not really – and I'm not going to criticize them for this because I actually give them props for taking chances. Right. If they wrote an episode and then the very next episode decided, I don't like how we wrote this character the last episode, they'll change it. There's some continuity problems in all there, there, <laughs> at, least a, at least At least the continuity problems. But the way that the script is written for each episode, they don't do it in a way to where it causes problems with the viewer. Right. You're able to forgive them because of how everything else is written. If they want to change one character, they don't make that character the focal point of the next episode going forward. They kind of let that be a sub character to where his or her character development will fluctuate a little throughout a couple of episodes to where by the time they do a 180 on you, you don't realize it's been done. You've been hoodwinked a little and it's brilliant writing, in my opinion. Um, right. Going forward a little bit. Uh, the, the worst part of this whole show, though, is their love for the Philadelphia Phillies. I had to oh, say that. Oh, come on. I had to say it. It really only <laughs> exists in the first season and a half. And then they kind of like do away with the, the sports. As they should. Oh. Um, 
Whatever. Alan, Alan and Amy are perfect 90s sitcoms parents. Oh, great They are casting. great. Morgan so is so adorable. Her delivery. Listen, Morgan's dialogue is probably Love the most Morgan. unbelievable part of season one because she's using phrases and words that are well beyond her vocabulary. But the way she delivers it is so adorable that you're like, I love Morgan. Morgan may end up being a lot of people's favorite characters by the end of season one just because of how cute she is. It's it's unfair. And I know this. I'm not saying this to be critical of the second Morgan that we get later on. But this version of Morgan really cracks me up. She's great. Uh, she's hilarious. The banter that she goes back and forth with Corey, the way she says, Corey, or, you know, like it's very, yeah. very kid. It's so yeah. funny and good. And there's a, there's an episode in this season where she has a tea party with George Feeney. That's just hilarious. Yeah, it is. It is hilarious. And, uh, you know, speaking of tea party, she actually has a scene in this very episode where she has a tea party with, with Corey. Right. And she, he's sitting there and he's telling her all these serious thoughts that he's having about, how, uh, you know, life is treating him. And as she's pouring the tea, she says, sugar, milk, ketchup. and it's Trash condiment. Like, trash condiment, Morgan. It is a trash condiment. But it's so adorable because that's, I, I don't know. It just, it'll really tug at your, your emotions because you want to love Morgan. You want right. to be a part of this family. You love everything about this family of five to this point. And honestly, for the future, but... Right. Especially in the pilot. I and by the way, you mentioned the Phillies, how we get through the whole AirPods discussion. Let's talk about it. There is a (laughs) so Corey's headphone is white, but the cord is black. It's there. But if you don't pay attention enough, it looks like an AirPod from 2020. And it is pretty damn uncanny. It's hard to catch that cord if you're not looking very hard. And by the way, I would have punched George Feeney in the face for for cutting my play-by-play off without letting me know the result, man. I don't care. You get out of here. And one more one more little thing, and it's such a little nitpick, I know, but I'm so used to his iconic classroom setup that this is not it for me. It's like facing the other way, and I like it facing the other way. And, there, and by the way, you don't get Topanga in this episode. You don't even get Minkus in this episode. Right. So there's some, there's some missing uh, main characters here. But just the way the classroom is set up, it's such a, it's such a tiny thing that I noticed, but I, I'm not a fan of the way it looks. They correct it later, so no big deal. But because you get that classic three-chair setup pretty much the rest of the series after they add Topanga to it. So I, uh, I noticed that, and I noticed the fact that, like you said, are those damn AirPods? Like, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't help myself. So, yeah, man, I, yeah. Um, I, lo- I love the banter in the classroom, too, where – Feeney's babbling on about God knows what. And Corey says, are you aware that I'm only 11 years old? That's some stuff I would have said. I have that in my notes. It's such a great line. He's like, are you aware of, you know, that blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about love. And Corey's rebuttal is, are you aware that I'm only 11 years old? Feeney doesn't miss a beat. And he says, are you aware that you have detention Friday afternoon? (laughs) And without missing a beat, Corey says, no, actually, I did not know that. That is just perfect because that right. is the exact kind of smart mouth response I would have had to my teacher in sixth grade. And it would have landed me in a boatload of trouble just like it did, Corey. Absolutely. I love it. The script writing for the children in this sitcom is perfect. Right. And and again, just to, to like poke holes in the continuity, 
in later seasons, we're supposed to believe that Corey and Topanga have been in love since they were two, and they he fell in the zoo exhibit or whatever. And, yeah. and this we clearly see he doesn't even have a clue who Topanga is, which is just yeah. kind of funny. It's almost okay. I appreciate the fact that they kind of play around with it as writers. Like they're they're in on the joke. It's very meta, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, you know, th- just a couple other. There's some great lines in this movie or in, in this sitcom rather. Uh, in this pilot to where they're in the, the lunchroom and Corey and Sean are yucking it up and Corey goes, Feeney loves me. And Sean goes, he hates you. And Corey's response is, well, it's one of the two. And like, it's <laughs> that's, just, life. Uh, that's life. That's life. You know, I, I really applaud this show for the way that the script and, and the dialogue is written because yep. it's, it's, you don't feel like anything's forced and it's, 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 Pretty well done. So as far as right. pilots go, listen, The Office to me is one of the greatest shows of all time. The the yeah. pilot kind of stinks out loud. Uh, the first season's not very good. The first season, outside of a couple episodes, right. is not very good. But this pilot, compared to The Office's pilot, which, I, like I said, is one of the best shows ever, this pilot wins, hands down. Right. And so when you're talking about that, that just lets you know from the jump what you're in for. This episode is very well done. It's something that I can watch... Th- most times when I'm rewatching a show, I might skip the pilot because I don't need it. I don't need to see how their failures. I enjoy the pilot. So yeah. take that for what it's worth. And by the way, this is where you find out that Feeney lives next door, which F that as an 11-year-old kid. <laughs> oh, my God. And, Corey, I, I, I want to move. I demand to move. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, love, I love the banter between him and his dad there. And, uh, again, you mentioned the cafeteria scene. He goes over to Feeney. And and Feeney basically says, "Hey man, this is my lunch period. For God's sakes, get out of my face." Yeah, yeah. He said he, he said something like, "For 35 hours a week, I'm forced to deal with you. For five hours a week, just for God's sake, get out of my face." It's so <laughs> like you can relate to Feeney in that regard because yes. you want, even if you don't deal with children or the public, when you're working a nine to five, Monday through Friday, or whatever your schedule is. You know that your lunch val- your lunch break is valued, and that's your time. And right. so for the fact that you know Corey's coming over trying to talk to him, he's like, "Man, just leave me alone." <laughs> I felt George Feeney when I yeah. rewatched that pilot. So. Right, and I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the fact in this episode that Corey moves out of his house because he hates his family now, moves into the treehouse, but still has Amy bring him food anyway. <laughs> like I'm gonna move out. I don't need you guys, but by the way, if, if you could bring me some chicken and a banana and all that stuff. And then, you know, that kind of leads to him having like a little bit of a different connection with Feeney as he looks down into Feeney's window and sees that yeah. Feeney kind of got stood up by the, the the hot new teacher or whatever. And Which, which, uh, which well, it turns out it was his sister that stood him out or stood him up. So right. it leads you, you know, that's a good point, good life lesson for, uh, you know, Mr. Matthews don't make assumptions because he thought. He right. just stood up by a date, but it was actually exactly. just his sister couldn't make it. Yes. And shout out to George Feeney. You see from the go, this old man's got some game because he oh, asked man. the new teacher out, hey, would you want to do dinner? And she's like, oh, I'd love to. Shout out to Feeney. Hey, he hey, he gets Dean Bollinger later. That a boy. Um, yeah, so just real quick to kind of wrap up the end here. Um, he sits in detention, and he thinks that 38 minutes is a really big deal, even though it's not. <laughs> um, right. And, God. 
you know, Feeney makes Billy Shakespeare's, I call him Billy Shakes. He makes Billy Shakes kind of seem like the biggest deal since sliced bread. And I don't know, at 11 years old, I didn't give a damn about Romeo and Juliet, man, except for that Leo DiCaprio version that was straight trash. Um, so, yeah, again, this this has a lot of good quotes um, for a pilot. A lot of times you don't really get those famous lines. And I do think there's there's just a lot of good here. One thing I did want to comment on, by the way, in, in case you didn't know, Eric's date goes horribly wrong. doesn't work out. But Corey, being a good brother, moves back in to his old room with his brother and says for Eric to call the girl and go to a movie so Eric doesn't have to talk. And that's probably the best policy for most of us men. So good on you, Corey Matthews. <laughs> um, but Eric's sweater is awful. It is looks like a sombrero. It's not great. <laughs> and I, I, the minute I saw it, I was like, that is 1993 right there. That is a terrible sweater, man. It almost looked like a bad Christmas sweater, dude. It was not not great. But, yeah, man, a lot of good quotes here um, to pick. And, of course, all is well that ends well. Everything's happy, hun- hunky-dory. Corey has tea with his sister. It's very adorable. And we get a happy ending. So I mentioned a lot of quotes. What was your favorite quote from Pilot? That's the name of the show on Disney+. Plus. Pilot. That's true. It is just called Pilot. But – um. There, there's a lot of good uh, candidates here. I like the one where Corey and Feeney had the back and forth about, are you aware that I'm only 11 years old? Are you ever, you know, I, the one I touched on earlier about the detention. Uh, there's also the Feeney loves me, he hates you. Well, it's one of the two. But the absolute one that takes the cake for me is when Corey busts into the room screaming, yes. And then uh, Eric's like, yes. Well, he finds out. He goes, uh, I've got a date this Friday night. So Corey goes, you're not going to the game? That's terrible. And then Eric goes, <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> that's, that's so funny because, you know, Corey didn't realize that he was being kind of pushed out of the scene for this season deciding baseball game that's going to happen on Friday. He thinks everything's going to be all good. At least I'll get to go, even if my brother don't. And then it turns out he's like, well, she's coming with us. And he goes, you're close. And he goes, she's going with me. And then Eric's like, come on, man. This is my one chance to go on a date with her. I love that scene. But that yeah. that whole quote, the the, the quote would end for me, beginning in with me with, you're not going to the game? That's terrible. It gets worse. Like, that's the quote. I love it. I laugh every time. What's your favorite? Oh, by the way, I cheated and picked two. Sorry, man. So hey, that's okay. Okay. Just to be short, he's back in, or he when when Corey's in detention, he's backing out. I'll, all right, I'm getting up from my desk. I'm wa- <laughs> walking to the door. I'm leaving. Fine. Closes the door. I'm in the hall. He comes back in. Mr. Feeney, this stinks. I love that. It makes me laugh every time. That's great. And another one that it's very quick if you don't catch it at the end. He gives Eric the phone to call Heather, his date, and he says, here, call her. And Eric says, who? And Corey goes, who? Heather, my nemesis. Love that line. Really good yeah. stuff. That's a really good uh, witty response from Corey Matthews there. So, pilot is in the books, my man. Good, hey. solid pilot. Uh, if you really want to know, I love the next two episodes. And then there's some fluff. So, I believe in the next show, we're going to cover episodes two and three of season one, which means we get the debut of Stuart Minkus and 
Topanga Lawrence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that, that, is, that, sh- that should be a fun episode because there's a lot to unpack oh with boy. those two characters in general, or yes. in particular. So, yeah, let's do it. Right, man. Hey, I'm excited to keep going forward. I had a lot of fun doing this, and you will find out that these episodes aren't going to be very long. Each episode is 23 minutes, so that kind of works for season one. We can kind of combine two episodes into one. I think that's how we're going to do it until season two. And there may be some there may be some stuff down the road that we decide to combine episodes on. Just kind of obviously, if there's a two parter like the Lauren stuff in season five, we might combine those into one longer episode just to kind of you know touch it all in one thing. Or something like that, you know, the wet wedding and stuff like that. So we'll make those decisions as they come. We have a long way to go to Corinth Topanga get married. So a long the, way. Yeah. So we have a lot of uh, non continuity to get to. Um, yes. Dustin, anything else before we get out of here, man? You know, I just want to leave you all with a quote that's from a different episode. Life's tough. Get a helmet. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, I'm gonna leave you with this every episode. <clears throat> Are you ready? Let's do it. Dream. Try. Do good. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Boy Meets Podcast. When this boy meets world, boy meets world. Wonder now this road we call life. What we're doing. It's good to know our friends will always stand by me. When this boy meets world.